God's people say it. How many of y'all can feel the helper here this morning? Amen. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew. Matthew, we're going to start where we stopped. Matthew chapter number 12 and verse 38. Matthew 12 and verse 38. While the choir is finding their place, I want to remind everybody, uh, we are going to be taking a group of people to uh, Israel, the Holy Land, in December. And I would like to invite you to go with us. I have some brochures uh, uh, that tell about the trip, tell it what, what we're going to do each day. And uh, my daughter is going to be uh, over there. Uh, Becca, stand out so they can see you. Yeah, yeah. Stand out there. They can't see that hand. There we go. All right. She's going to be right over there after the services. And, uh, and, and I need about 19 people to go. So if you've thought about going, this year is your time. It is a pilgrimage. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a missions trip. It's not a missions trip. And on a missions trip, you got to sleep in a grass hut and eat crickets. <clears throat> <We're laughs> now, this is truly, it, it's a pilgrimage. It's a, it's a time to see uh, what you've been reading about your whole life. And there is something exciting going on right now in the Holy Land. I, I was able to talk to our guide last week, and they are getting an unprecedented amount of rain. And he said, we are seeing things green that's never been green. You say, what's the big deal about that? Because the Bible says that the deserts will bloom again. Amen? They're, because of the, the unprecedented drought they have had before, it caused sinkholes around the Dead Sea. Well, because of those sinkholes, fresh water is coming up in those sinkholes, and they are finding fish around the Dead Sea. Hey, God's word is accurate. Say amen. They're finding new wildflowers that they never found before around the Dead Sea. And, and we get to go see that in person. And it's just seeing the Bible come alive. So let me encourage you to go. If you've never, you've never thought about going, think about it. Stop by over there and get, pick up one of these brochures. And uh, also, if you have any questions about it, she's going to have a notepad over there. Write your name down in a contact number. And I will call you. And if you have any questions, whatever questions you have, I'll, I'll try to answer them the best I can. Uh, sign up for that, and, uh, and I'll call you, and we'll, we'll talk about it. And all God's people say it. I want you to look in verse number 38, and, and, and first off, I want to thank God for Temple Baptist Church. Amen. I really do. This is my favorite place to be. I, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed not just Sunday morning, but our Wednesday night Bible studies. God has been blessing them also, and, uh, and I'm telling you, I, I don't want to ever, ever, ever Take for granted what God is doing in this place. And so I just want to thank God for you and for the Lord and, and our helper. Amen. All right. Verse number 38. Verse 38. Now, now, let me say this. Let me say this. Uh, here's what's happening. From the very beginning of this chapter, uh, you know we've been in it for like three or four weeks. But at the very beginning of this chapter, we see that the Pharisees are coming against Jesus. They are coming against Jesus. They are, they are uh, uh, actively and outwardly uh, coming against him in a way, calling him all kinds of things, calling him a wine bibber and all kinds of stuff, telling him he's doing his miracles by the devil and just doing everything they can to come against him and create obstacles for the Messiah. Now, the thing about Jesus is he doesn't take that. Are y'all with me? 
for every accusation they had and every accusation they gave, he had an answer. And he always showed them how foolish they were in their thinking, how foolish they were in their accusations. Everything they brought up, he just cut them down at the knees. And so here, it's one last attempt, if you will. The Pharisees have one last attempt to try to get him, to try to trick him, to try to uh, uh, trip him up, and they're asking for a sign. In other words, they say, okay, 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 okay. Uh, well, just, just, just give us a sign. Just give us a sign, and we'll believe. So that's, that's where we're at in verse 38. If you're there, say amen. amen. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answering said, Master... We would see a sign from thee. That's real sarcastic, by the way, because they think he's a heretic and they would never call him master without, you know, uh, 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 a trick behind it. Are y'all with me? But he answered and said unto them, watch this, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Now he describes what that sign is. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, say it with me, a, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south, this is the queen of Sheba, this is the one who came and, and, and asked questions of Solomon. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, say it with me, a greater than Solomon is here. When the unclean spirit gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with, him, taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And now, now say this with me. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even, now, now he says this. This is what he's declaring to this generation. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. While he yet talked to the people, behold... His mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. Watch his answer. But he answered and said unto him and told them, Who is my mother and who is my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples, to the believers, by the way. Behold, my mother and my brethren. In other words, he's saying, This is my family. For whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. And all God's people say it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the privilege of, of, of just being able to be here. Just, just having breath in our lungs, Lord. God, there's a lot of people going through a lot of difficulty right now, and I pray that you'll touch them. But Lord, touch the ones that's in this building today. Uh, we, we have come to hear from you, and Lord, I know this is a convicting message, and I pray that you'll bring it to our hearts and help us to understand and illuminate our minds to your word. God, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Lord, please don't let me forget anything I should. Holy Spirit, my helper, I pray that you'll help me preach today. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say it. 
Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I, I want to I slowly go through this. Uh, I, I was thinking kind of like last week. I was thinking kind of like last week that, 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 that the, the, the first few points are kind of setups, but the real message is in the last point. And I was thinking that again this week, but God has kind of, he's kind of showed me that point number one is really important too. And, uh, and so let's, let's just take a little time with this. We, we, we find, we find Jesus. He is, he is confronting the rejection of the religious leaders of Israel and the religious leaders of Israel are representing the nation as a whole. If that makes sense. Amen. And when we see, when we see in this particular chapter, you hear the phrase, this generation. All right, say that with me. This, this generation. He's talking about the people that are alive at the time of the ministry of Jesus. In other words, the people who have witnessed his miracles, the people who have witnessed his sermons, the people who have witnessed his ministry, the people that had an opportunity to be there when he walked on water, people that had an opportunity to be there in Israel, in the Holy Land, when Jesus was walking on this earth. He's talking about that generation. If that makes sense, say amen. We got to set that up first. You got to get that. Okay. So, so now we have, we have religious leaders who have come against Jesus over and over again, over and over again. And now they have one last, they're trying to save face because every time they had uh, accusation, Jesus cut them off at the knees. And so they're trying to save face and they're saying, well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, just show us a sign. Just give it. In other words, they're saying, if you'll just give us this major sign, then, then we'll believe. Then we'll believe. Just show us a sign. Well, Jesus knows. Jesus knows. And, and he begins to respond. And so that's what I want to take in the first point. Okay. So if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, write this down. We see a final sign, a final sign. Now, when you say the word final preacher, what, what are you referring to? Uh, here's the deal. Jesus has been performing miracles like crazy. From the very beginning, he's been performing miracles. He's been healing the lame. He's been healing the blind. He's been healing the deaf. He's been casting out demons. He's, he's turned one lad's lunch into thousands. Of, listen, to feed thousands. He's done miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. John, the apostle John, calls them signs. Okay, he calls them signs. And so here we find this, a final sign. He says he's going to give them. But, but this is what I want you to see. First, A, write this down. We see a foolish demand. Say that with me. A, say it again. Now, on, on face value, face value, you're looking at this, this request and you're thinking, well, that's not that big a deal. That's not that big a deal because, because the Bible says the Jews require a sign, you know, uh, uh, for centuries, we, we would see when, when, when God would do something, he would provide a sign, like with Moses, for example, you know, he gave them different things. And, and so is this really that big a deal? Oh, it's a huge deal because Jesus is showing them something. He says this, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. An adulterer is one who cheats. Are y'all with me? Who cheats? And he's saying, listen, you're just revealing your unbelief. Now, now watch what, watch where I'm going with this. Watch where I'm going with this. Jesus said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a sign. 
I'm not going to give you the sign you request because I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to be pushed or bullied into something because that's not where true faith comes from. But I tell you what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah's. In the sign of Jonah's, just like Jonah was in the belly of the whale in those three days and three nights, and he came back out alive, I'm going to be in the earth three days and three nights. In other words, he's telling them about his resurrection. Are y'all with me? The resurrection is going to be the sign. Okay? Now, what is the resurrection? A dead man comes back to... Are y'all with me? Now, watch this. Watch this. Jesus says that is a very foolish demand asking for a sign. Now, why? Why? Because the insinuation is this. I will believe if I see. I will believe. Come on, y'all. I will believe if I see. But do you know the Bible says this? Faith cometh by and hearing by the Faith don't come by. It comes by. Now, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Now, I don't know about y'all, but somebody coming back from the dead, that's huge. Are y'all with me? That's a big deal. I mean, some of the other things that, that Jesus did. Some of the other things. How about when they come to arrest him in the garden? And, 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 and Peter cuts off Malchus's ear and Jesus reaches down and puts it back on his head. Now, I would like to say, and I've said this before, if I was one of them guards and I seen his ear go back on his head, I'd have left that dude alone. Do I have a witness? And we think, we think, this is what we think. This is what we think. God, stay with me on this. I, I, I might seem like I'm running around, but I'm not. I'm just corralling them up. Okay, we think that if we can just see something big. Now, I'm not even talking about necessarily salvation. I'm talking about just faith in our life. I I will believe better, Lord. I will believe more if you could just show me something. And God is proving how how inaccurate that is. He said, he said, no, he said, I'm going to do something bigger than that. I'm going to come back from the dead. Now watch this. Well, then I tell you what, I bet they believe then. I bet you're wrong. But that's not good language in church, is it? I guarantee you, you're wrong. You know how I know that? Because when he did rise again, they went and paid people to lie and said the disciples stole his body. You know what he's basically saying? He said, it don't matter what I do. You're not going to believe. That's why this is so foolish. Now, I've got another verse. Do you remember when Jesus, you remember when Jesus described Lazarus and the rich man? How many of y'all remember that? When Jesus told about Lazarus and the rich man, got a rich man who's lost. And we got a poor man, Lazarus, a beggar who's saved. The Bible says they both died. They both die. One is in paradise. We know Lazarus went to paradise and we know the rich man went to hell. Said in hell, he opened up his eyes being in torment. And he said, he begged. He said, please send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my parching tongue for I am tormented in this flame. 
Abraham said, we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't go to where you are. You can't come to where we are. He said, well, I tell you what, please send somebody back. Please send some, this is in your notes, this is in your notes, but I got to go fast because I got a lot of stuff, okay? This, is, this, is, this verse is in your notes. He said, please send somebody to go back because if somebody goes back from the dead, they will believe. And you know what Abraham said? They have Moses and the prophets. You know what that represents? Scripture. It represents the word of God. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, if they will not believe when they read the word of God and they hear the word of God, they're not going to believe if somebody goes back from the dead. And you know, and you know what? He was true. Jesus came back from the dead, showed himself by many infallible proofs, and they still would not believe. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Some of y'all in here, you're wanting God to show you something. And you think if God shows you something, if you see lightning flash in the sky or, or some big thing happen, or if you could just see a miracle, then you would believe. Let me tell you something. If you will not believe his word when he said it, you won't believe a miracle if he shows you. Faith doesn't come by hearing, or excuse me, faith doesn't come by seeing. It doesn't come by the visual. It comes by his word. Faith comes from his word. And if you're not going to believe his word, you're, gonna, you're not going to believe a miracle. This is such a foolish demand. He said, you want me to do something, but it doesn't matter. What about, what about the blind man seeing? What about the lame man walking? What about the, the demon-possessed man that is whole and healed now? What about all them signs? What's one more going to be for you? Faith doesn't come by seeing. Faith comes by hearing. Are y'all with me? Say amen. We see a foolish, a foolish demand. Then, then look at this, a future demonstration. <clears throat> The only sign Jesus would give to his nation was death, burial, and resurrection. The messages in the first seven chapters of Acts center on the resurrection of Christ. Not on his death on the cross, but on his resurrection. The Jews of that day believed that he had died. For this was the chief topic of conversation. But they did not believe that he was alive. In Acts 2 through 7, the Holy Spirit gave to the nation of Israel abundant witness that Jesus was alive. This was the only sign they needed. It was the sign of Jonas. Are y'all with me? Somebody said the other day, well, how do you know he's alive? Because he's in me. Because he gets on to me. He comforts me when I'm sad. He helps me when I'm weary. Oh, somebody say me. I like the response. I like the response of Paul. He said, if he didn't get up, if he wasn't resurrected, then what, how do you explain me? How do you explain the change in me? How do you explain the difference in me? I was once a blasphemer. I was once injurious. I was once one who came against the church of God like a wild animal. And now I'm preaching the gospel. I'm preaching the truth. If he didn't get up, then what happened to me? 
People say all the time, well, well, well how do you know? I, I, matter of fact, it was a coon hunting buddy of mine. He, we had this confrontation. And, and he said, well, how do you know God's real? I said, look, right over there. And I pointed at my father. I pointed at my father. And he said, what do you mean? I said, what happened to him? If Jesus ain't real, if Jesus is not alive, what changed him? Because my father was a hoodlum of the first degree. He was mean. He was a bad guy. He was a bully. He was a terrible person. But when God saved him, well, y'all look at him now. Everybody loves him. He gets so excited in church. You got to be careful with that cane. He might wipe you one. Y'all with me? How's that possible? The resurrection. He got up. I don't, I, don't need, I, don't, I don't need to see no miracle. I don't need to see no sign. The greatest miracle in the world is sitting on that pew. Yeah. Listen, if you're not just going to believe his word, you're not going to believe his work. Amen. Right. Just believe him. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. We see a final sign. Number two, we see a forever sentence. Look at the next verses. He said, I tell you what, people. He said, I'm going to give you one more sign, and it's going to be huge. But you're still not going to believe it. He said, let me tell you what's going to happen in the future. There's going to be a judgment one. And by the way, I hope everybody understands in here, judgment's coming. We're all going to stand before God. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the, the judgment. Now watch what he says about this. How sad about this group of people, this generation. He says, let me tell you what's going to happen. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth, 1,200 miles, by the way, to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. This forever sentence, two things I want to give you, two, or A, we see condemning testimonies, condemning testimonies, and he describes the people of Nineveh, and he describes the queen of the south. Now watch this, watch this, think about this. We have Jonah, who was a preacher, he was a prophet, he was sent, he was sent to Nineveh to preach judgment. Y'all know the story, I, I can't tell you the whole thing, but if you don't know it, go read it. He didn't want to go. He didn't even like the people. He hated the people. He didn't care whether they repented or not. He didn't want to go. And he went the opposite direction. And y'all know what happened. They got in a storm in that, in that boat and, and they threw him over to save the people. All right. He was swallowed by a fish. Three days, three nights in that, that fish's belly. And then he was puked up on the shore and he ran he ran all the way to Nineveh. Are y'all with me? And this was his message. Y'all are going to die. Judgment is coming. God is going to destroy all of you. Down, down, down with everybody. It's just nothing but condemnation. He didn't even give, he didn't even give them an alternative. 
He just said, you're going, you're in for it. He's coming. He's going to destroy all of you. This is a perfect stranger who is preaching with hate in his heart. He wasn't preaching with love. He wasn't preaching with compassion. He wasn't preaching with mercy. So how do you know all that? Because he went up on a hill waiting to see it happen. He wanted to get a good front row seat of God's destruction of Nineveh. And God had mercy on Nineveh because they repented. They believed, they heard the word of God and they repented at the preaching of the word of God and God had mercy on them. And guess what Jonah did? He pouted. He pouted. I mean, just sucked his thumb pouting. God had to say, what is wrong with you? With that kind of response, a preaching from a preacher who didn't even care whether they were delivered or not, a preacher who his only message was condemnation, but they repented. Now watch. Jesus is saying, let me tell you something. You've got a preacher here that loves you. you. Look at this. Jonah was a complete stranger to a strange people. But Jesus came unto his. I'm one of you. I'm not just preaching condemnation. I'm preaching forgiveness and compassion and mercy and deliverance. There's no doubt. Watch this. Watch this. There's no doubt. A greater than Jonah's here. And that group of people repented at the preaching of John the Baptist and you're refusing to repent after all the opportunity that you have. In the day of judgment, they're going to stand up and they're going to condemn you. Not just Jonah, not just Jonah, the queen. Now think about this. In Jonah's story, that's a Jew going to the Gentiles. In the queen's story, it's a Gentile going to a Jew. You know that chapter Pharisees. Because he's saying, he, this is basically in, in our terms, he's saying the queen of Sheba, this Gentile had more sense than you got. She was willing to go 1,200 miles to seek God's man. And here I am in your street, in your neighborhood. And you won't listen. Let me tell you what's going to happen to this generation. She's going to stand up and condemn you because you're so foolish that you won't believe. I wonder who's going to stand up and condemn some of you because you won't believe. Maybe somebody's had a harder time in life than you did. I remember, I remember we had a teenager one time that tried to commit suicide. And, 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 and she come from a good family. This was, this, was not a, this was not a bad family situation. This was a good family. Now, some of y'all might not believe this. Some of y'all might not believe this. But, you know, kids from good families can still do stupid things. It's not always the fact that 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 happened. 
And I remember going to UAB and going to the hospital there. And here she is, and she's got all these lines and everything hooked to her. And, and, and I, said, I said, sis, how you doing? And we had talk, small talk, and she said, let me tell you what the nurse said. There was a, there was a, 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 a nurse that come in there that came from a horrible situation. And she began to tell her, let me tell you something, sis. And she began to describe the hell that she had been through all her life. And to help her understand that she's got a lot to live. In other words, y'all with me? And thank God she's got a family today and she's doing great today. But I'm telling you, there's going to come a day in judgment when other people are going to stand up. Because you were too foolish to just believe God's word. People who had a harder time than you did, had a more difficult time than you did, had more obstacles between them and God than you did, and yet they believed and you didn't. Judgment's coming. We see this forever. And by the way, that point, the forever sentence, forever is forever. Once it's there, it's forever. Now, what am I saying? Believe. Believe. Look at this third one. Please don't miss this one. Please don't miss this one. Jesus speaks of a final sign. He speaks of a forever sentence. Then we see A, a finishing sermon. A finishing sermon. Two things I want you to see. He describes this generation. He describes these people. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. The unclean spirit is a demon. All right, an evil spirit. He says that, then he says, the demon says, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it, say it with me. He findeth it empty and, and then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the even so shall it be, watch this, even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Watch. Let me illustrate this. I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible. Here's what I want you to write down in your notes. We see a dangerous reformation. A dangerous reformation. Mr. Marsh, you come up. You come up. You was the Holy Spirit last week. You can do it again this week. And I heard your wife tell me you kind of milked that for all it's worth last week. Yeah. She told me in the gym, why did you make him the Holy Spirit? So anyway, all right, Griggs, you come up. You can be the demon. Yeah, come on. All right, all right. Come on, come on over here, demon. You can't be on the same side as the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that's right. All right. Hey, D, you want to help me a minute? If you don't care, you can be the house, okay? Come on up here. Y'all come center up right here. Come center up. <clears throat> All right, this is, this is the person. This is the person. This is the, this is the one who, who Jesus is ministering to, okay? These are people, all right? In, in that day, and even in today, I believe in demon possession today without a doubt, without a doubt. But here's, here's what's taking place. 
you're over here. You're over here because you're not in the scene yet. <laughs> All right. This man is being, he's being bothered and he's being inhabited by a demon. It could manifest itself in, in a bad habit. It could manifest itself in a particular sin, a particular struggle, a particular habit, a particular addiction. It could, it could manifest itself in a lot of ways. Is everybody with me? Say amen. Now, here's what Jesus is saying. There were times, there were times, and the verses are right there under the notes, there were times that Jesus healed people. And he cast out demons. But they didn't believe in him. Everybody that Jesus healed didn't place their faith in him. It happened over and over and over again. Matter of fact, the guy by the pool of Bethesda, Jesus said, "Wilt thou be made whole. And Jesus healed him. Jesus healed him. And then he told him, he said, go and sin no more. Let something worse comes upon you. And you know what he did? He ran to the Pharisees and told on Jesus. What happened? Jesus, watch this. Jesus took away his affliction. So he's healed of that spirit. He's reformed, if you will. And he's a little better off. But he did not invite. He didn't fill the void. He didn't fill the gap with the Holy Spirit by believing on the Lord Jesus. Now watch what's going to happen. We can quit bad habits and we can reform. You have seen people. You have seen people do this. They quit whatever it is. They quit smoking. They quit drinking. They quit running around. They quit doing this. And they think they're a better person. They think they're good with God. And they just reform. They get rid of their bad habit. However that happens, their bad habit goes away. But if they don't fill the void by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and filling themselves with the Holy Ghost, He's coming and He's bringing friends. Now the best way I can illustrate this is that you can come to church and turn over a new leaf. You can come to church and turn over a new leaf. And you can quit this and you can quit that. You can quit all of your vices. You can quit all of your habits. And you can feel pretty good about yourself. But if you don't come to Christ and if you don't come in forgiveness and repentance to Christ and let him fill you with the Holy Ghost, you're going to be empty and you're going to think you've got it all together. And all those things you quit, they're going to come back with a vengeance. It scares me to death when I see people come to church and they get used to what they're seeing and they get used to the surroundings and they get used to the atmosphere and they like it and they start being better people, but they never repent. They never come to Christ for forgiveness and salvation. They just kind of, they just kind of clean house a little bit. Reformation is not enough. Reforming your life is not enough. Turning over a new leaf is not enough. You need to fill your life with the power of the Holy Ghost. You need the helper. Because when you have the helper, the Holy Spirit, He can't come back. There's no room left for Him or His friends. Somebody say amen. 
I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people who had a bad situation in their life and they came to church and they asked God for help and God helped them and God got that situation out of their life but they did not follow the Lord and they did not repent and turn their life over to Him and they ended up worse than they were in the beginning. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm, I'm okay. I'm happy that you don't do this or that no more. I'm happy that you've, got, you, 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 you've made some changes in your life. I'm happy that you're, 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 you're kind of you're going the right direction now. But if you don't have Christ, if you don't have... Preacher, what are you saying? He's, saying, he's talking about this generation. How many thousands and thousands of people did Jesus heal? Now watch, you got to get this. John said there were so many things and so many miracles that he did, the books of this world cannot contain them all. But how many was in the upper room on Pentecost? 120. Preacher, what are you saying? He changed the lives of countless thousands of people. But all they got out of it was a clean house. And they never filled the void through true believing faith. Now, now listen, this is as dead serious as a sermon as I, I've ever preached. How many people, and you're here today, I promise you, you're here today. And you're here because you got a problem. And you know what I say? Awesome. This is the place to be. Yeah. A spouse left. A kid has, has lost their mind and you don't know what to do. You have a physical ailment or a, or maybe a financial. You don't know. You just got things that are overwhelming your life. So you come to church. Maybe God can do something about this. Man, that's, that's, I'm so glad you're here. But if all you get out of coming to church is your problem solved... then you're going to leave church. If you were looking for a problem solved and not a savior, you see those people, they were just just looking for free food. They wanted to make him king. They They wasn't concerned about a savior. You know why? Because they didn't think they had a sin. Now watch this. Jesus is speaking about that generation. He said, how many people have I cleaned your house? How many people have I cleaned your house? I got that demon out. And you've, you've, you've even swept your house. And you, 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 you think you got it all together because you're healed physically. Well, the man in that verse, it's in, that, in your notes right there. He was, he was healed physically, but not spiritually. You know what he did? He didn't fill the void. He ran and told on Jesus, and I guarantee you in the end, his life was worse than when he was sitting by that pool. Preacher, what are you saying? In, 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 in the plainest terms, I can, I can say, let me, let's sum this message up today. If you're waiting on God to do some kind of miracle, some kind of miraculous sign before you're going to believe on him, let me tell you, you will never believe on him. If the scriptures are not enough, nothing will convince you. That's right. 
Come as a little child. And when he says it, believe it. And not only that, don't just get your problem solved. Remember who solved it. Brother Doug, I hate to pick on you all the time, but you're so perfect here. You've been in this thing a whole lot longer than I have. How many times were there tears in your eyes because you saw somebody come and beg God at the altar because they had a major tragedy, major disaster. They desperately needed God. God moved in on the scene. He solved their issue. He changed their life. He did something great for them. And then you can't find them. Because they did not come for forgiveness of sin. They came so their spouse would come back. They did not come for their real problem. Please don't do that. Lastly, and this sums it up. You see, reformation is not the key. When I say reformation, I'm not talking about Calvinism and and the reformed unit and all that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just turning over a new leaf. You, does everybody understand what I'm saying with that? When I'm saying reformation, reform, you just reform yourself. You just try to be a better person. You just try to quit your bad habits. Y'all with me there? But watch this. His, his own mother and his half-brothers come. Now, I know that's going to surprise some of y'all. didn't even know Jesus had half-brothers, but he had half-brothers. And they came and said, we need to talk to him. They were afraid for him. They did not believe. They did not believe in him till after the resurrection, his brethren. They thought he had lost his mind. Y'all with me? I mean, think about it. Griggs, what if Samuel come told you, I'm the Messiah? What would you think? What? Yeah. That's what his half-brothers, they did not believe. And you know what Jesus said about that? He said, who's my mother and my brethren? Watch this. And he turned to the ones that believed. And he said, this is my family. What am I saying? Reformation is dangerous. Relationship is delivering. Preacher, what are you saying? If you want to go to heaven, you're going to have to do more and quit drinking. Matter of fact, if you quit drinking, that ain't going to change nothing. Save you a bunch of money. And I'm not endorsing drinking. I'm just trying to prove a point. Quitting a bad habit is not going to bring you into heaven. What is a relationship? A relationship. He's saying all of you in here, I've healed. I've blessed. I've changed your physical health. I've changed your situation. I've cast demons out of you. Unless you become a believer. Unless you come into relationship with me. Are y'all with me? You see, that's why this legalistic junk don't work. It's not about a list of rules. It's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes I'll talk to people about their their spirituality and I'll say, hey, are you saved? Well, I I quit this then and I stopped doing that. That ain't what I asked. When did you come into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? 
When did you believe? When did you believe the sign? What sign? That Jesus died. He was buried. And he rose again. Because until you do that, stay with me. Look at me, everybody. Look at me, everybody. Look at me, everybody. I'm early. I'm early. Until you do that, you're going to be empty. And there's going to be a void. And all those things that you reformed from, it may be just one habit, one addiction. If you don't fill the void with the Holy Spirit, your end is going to be worse than the beginning. And all God's people say it. How many of y'all know and will testify with me how desperately we need the helper? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm begging those who don't know you today. I'm begging those who are waiting on some dramatic sign to just simply believe the scriptures. Just simply believe your word. Lord, there's somebody here. They've been been waiting. They've probably even been asking for it. 